I always wanted to know who the best player was on tour simply because I wanted to actually work as hard. And then I ran into a, a little guy by the name of George Knudsen out of Canada. And I watched him hit the golf ball. I watched him with the wide stance, taking the club back way inside, releasing the club. One of the greatest ball strikers I'd ever seen. Now Ballesteros. With a putt that could win him the 113th British Open. Hello and welcome to the McKellar Golf Podcast. My name is Lawrence Stonigan and before I introduce you to my good pal and co-host and guest, uh, I have to sell some McKellars. Uh, it occurred to me the other day as I was looking through our download numbers, which are phenomenal by the way, uh, that perhaps one in four people who listen to this podcast have bought a McKellar issue number three. That is um, That is slightly disappointing. <laughs> anyway, uh, one in four. So there's that means there's three of you listening to this right now who don't have a copy of uh, McKellar issue number three. Uh, I swear to goodness you are missing out. It is phenomenal. Uh, we have a piece by my good pal and co-host, Mr. Huggin. Uh, our guest hasn't had uh, doesn't have a piece in issue three, but he will have a piece in issue four. And he did have a piece in issue two. Uh, I won't reveal who he is. Uh, anyway, uh, please uh, get to mckellarmagazine.com uh, go to the shop and you can buy issue three of McKellar. It's just out. Uh, it will be on your doorstep within a matter of days. You can also buy all sorts of other great stuff, including uh, some wonderful T-shirts, McKellar T-shirts, very fashionable. And there's also um, the full McKellar, which is issues one, two and three, which I believe uh, I've been told looks amazing on uh, your bookshelf. Uh, McKellarmagazine.com. Please uh, support great journalism. John Huggin. How you doing, Huggy? I'm very well, Lawrence. Thanks for asking. Uh, oh, you you were researching a piece for issue four the other day. How did it go? Don't don't give anything away, but uh, yeah, progress has been made. Yes. Ooh, I suspect there's going to be one golf course architect out there who will be very pleased. <laughs> well, just have to wait and see what I come up with. Maybe when he reads it, he'll unblock me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Which, uh, See if he's blocked me. That would be interesting. Um, I'm sure he has. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll crack on, Huggy. Uh, quick, uh, short and snappy show this week. Uh, our guest, uh, Mark Canazaro of the New York Post. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing great, Lawrence, and good to talk to Huggy as always. Uh, you are here as our token American. Uh, how do you feel? I feel like a token American. I mean, you know, I got a couple of... Uh, Couple of Scots on the other end of the line over here, and I, Huggy, if I may say, I don't. I, you could have promoted your piece for it for edition four of McKellar a little bit better than you did. I mean, well, we don't even know what it's about. It's a secret at the moment. Wow. Okay. Uh, what we find, Mark, is that uh, if we say anything about the stuff that's coming up, uh, other publications steal them, steal the ideas. They're so bereft. They are so that's- so bereft. Um, Anyway, Mark, I say token American. We got you on because there's a, the main story this week is this big uh, stramash, as we say in Scotland. Uh, to explain, a stramash is uh, like a fight, uh, but a, a, it's a slightly uh, unruly. Well, fights are unruly by nature, but it's a slightly messy fight. Uh, it comes from football, uh, or we you call it soccer, Mark. Uh, Paul Azinger, uh, did you see this, Mark, uh, on the TV coverage of the Honda at the weekend? 
you know, I, I've seen it since then. I wasn't watching the coverage, uh, uh, but I, I, I've seen the kerfuffle, as we might call it, uh, uh, in the States here, uh, uh, compared to your kermash or whatever the hell you just called it. Um, listen, I, I know, I know, uh, I know Azinger quite well. Uh, I'm friendly with Azinger. Uh, I thought his choice of words was was ill-advised, uh, to say the least. Um, and I understand why people are up in arms a little bit about it. But, you know, it, it's also interesting to me because it, being a Ryder Cup year, this certainly adds a little bit of uh, gasoline to the uh, to the bonfire that will be will be, you know, flowing pretty, pretty heavily uh, come, you know, come fall. So, and I'm sure, you know, Huggy, you, I know we both like to, you know, have a little bit of fun with that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was ill-advised on, on, on Azinger's part. But that said, listen, Azinger's paid to be an opinionated, you know, if not maybe a little irreverent sometimes uh, announcer and, and color guy. Uh, I just thought he went, you know, over the line a little bit. Uh, to see. I actually, to, my favorite fallout of all of this was Thomas Bjorn's tweet I thought was brilliant, talking about uh, Molinari uh, and his and his greatest win ever. <laughs> here at I hopefully Molinari is still in, in, in enjoying his greatest win ever of his career at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. <laughs> you know, certainly, you know, much bigger because it took place in the States uh, than Carnoustie at the at the Open Championship two years ago. Here, uh, what's he actually like, Mark Azinger, as a guy? I, I, you know, he's a good guy. I really, he really actually is a really good guy. I mean, I've, I've spent quite a bit of time with him at the Masters each year. Um, and, you know, I covered the latter part of his career. You know, I think he's a very refreshing voice on television, to be honest with you. And I don't think he's, you know, I don't see him as a guy that rubs people. Even though I thought that Johnny Miller, for example, was a was an excellent commentator. He had a, you know, he had a propensity, as you know, for rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. I don't think Zinger does that. But Azinger is not afraid to, you know, to deliver his opinion. And and, and we want that. You know, we don't want milk toast coverage here, you know, and and. You know, every you know every announcer genuflecting at the at the sight of every guy on a TV screen. You know, every player on a TV screen. So, in that manner, I think he does a job, his job really well. But I, I think he touched a nerve here for obvious reasons. Um, you know, and I, I I'm kind of curious to see, to hear what Huggy's take was because I know I'm sure you probably took offense to it, uh, Huggy, <laughs> to say the least. Huggy, a singer. Well, it, it wasn't so much what he said. I mean, it was the tone of it. Yeah, that, that, was, yeah. that was the problem. It it was kind of sneering and it was cheap. And for somebody like him to, you know, criticise or, or demean the body of work that Lee Westwood has accumulated over the course of his career was ludicrous, to be honest. I mean, I think Louis won two times in America, but I mean, how often has he played in regular tour events in America, other outside of the, you know, the majors and the really big events? I mean, that's always the thing about Monty. Um, Monty famously never won a PGA Tour event, but he only played in the, you know, the absolute top class ones. He didn't play in the, you know, Safeway Open or whatever the hell they call these things in the in the fall. <clears throat> you know, I mean, and for Azinger to use was it Mark Wilson? The guy who won the Honda yes. back in the day, yeah. as an example, I mean, no, he doesn't. I mean, I'm sure he's a very good player, but he doesn't compare, not even close, to, to Lee Westwood. So it was easy to shoot down what Azinger was saying, and it was, as I say, it was the tone of it. And it cut to me afterwards that, and it, this is exactly what happened: was that the, the kind of post-Azinger pieces that I've read so far. I mean, the, the narrative was 
shifted away from the tone of what he said to stating the obvious that at least in financial terms the PGA Tour is vastly superior to the European Tour. I mean, nobody disputes that. I mean, it's just, you know, everybody knows that and everybody equally knows that Tommy Fleetwood is a world-class player. For him to, you know, cast up the fact that Tommy Fleetwood hasn't yet won in America for the same reasons I just cited about Monty, I mean, his credibility kind of plummeted with me a bit. Uh, as it did, um, you know, I have to say back at the 1991 Ryder Cup when uh, Paul was telling Porky's about switching balls when he shouldn't have been, but uh, that's by the by. Um, but anyway, as I say, I look forward to, as I say, to Paul Azinger's refreshing level of honesty being levelled at the PGA Tour as we go forward. Here, Huggy, I think I've heard this story, but maybe a lot of people haven't. The 1991 Ryder Cup, Paul Azinger, tell us about that one. Well, he was playing with Chip Beck against uh, Seve and Alathabal, and uh, and they were swi- they were, you weren't allowed to change balls, you know, compression or whatever it was back then. But Azinger and Beck were, were doing just that, and Seve and Alathabal spotted it. But unfortunately for them, they didn't say anything for a couple of holes, and they did when it, when they did say it, everything stopped, and there was this long conversation where. And at first, the problem was with Azinger was that he, he first denied that they were switching the balls. And then when it became clear that there was plenty of evidence that they were, he admitted it. And I can, the, my lasting memory of that is Jose Maria Lathabal, who might be the most honourable guy played golf in the last 30 years, staring at, at, at Azinger. <laughs> you could see exactly what he was thinking. You know, my God, what, what are you doing? But anyway, it, it backfired on Azinger in the end because... Seve and Ollie went mental on the back nine and beat them two and one, so um, three down or whatever. But uh, that's that was what using I got up to back at, at Kiowa Island. The, uh, the what's he like, Huggy? Well, let's just. I mean, my I know Paul a little bit. Um, I hello to him and I've talked to him a few times. I don't know him as well as Mark, I'm sure. But uh, suffice to say, I don't think he'll be voting Democrat in the upcoming <laughs> election. The. Um, <laughs> The I've only had one dealing with him. I I knocked out a piece. I had to phone him. Uh, I knocked out a piece one morning. Uh, was it before one of the Ryder Cups? I can't remember. But I, and I, I I knocked out in an hour and I went up on the website and he called me straight back to say thanks for a great piece. I mean I was like wow that's pretty polite. Yeah. Uh, funny yeah, on the other side of fine. I don't want to be going down as just slagging the guy off completely. I mean he was a he did a terrific job as Ryder Cup captain and was Brilliant. one of the. Few Americans who can say he was a winning captain the last twenty years. You know, Lawrence, that uh, that that little anecdote you just gives me uh, it gives me pause a little bit now. As much as I like Azinger, I think that's a bit of a character flaw. Oh, he thought piece was that good, no? Uh, no, I think he was more admiring of the writing, Mark. That's not something that you would know anything about. Uh, anyway, oh. <laughs> the uh, I write I write for McKellar. Don't forget now. Oh, that's right. actually um. The other thing, Huggy, is you know he's having a go at, but Lee Westwood has won forty-four times around the world. That's astonishing, um, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it probably hasn't occurred to Paul that, just as an example, Lee Westwood won the Australian Open back in the day, beating uh, Greg Norman, amongst others, down the stretch at uh, Metropolitan in Melbourne at the time when Greg Norman was ranked number one in the world. So, it's easy to to sit you know back there in America and and look down on everything that goes on outside the states golf wise, but 
you know, you've got to look a bit, a bit more closely, and but I don't think Paul did that. I mean, to demean, as I say, to demean Lee Westwood's body of work is just nonsensical. Um, you got to defend your. Well, the one thing, Mark, I would say about uh, you're talking about Azinger on TV. I, I've kind of heard that uh, people aren't that impressed. You know, the TV people aren't that impressed that he's not. I mean, Miller was a. I mean, Miller's capacity for work. Uh, was astonishing, wasn't it? He was out all the time on the range, walking the golf course, all sorts of stuff. Um, I'm not so sure, but you're a fan of him on TV. I, I am. I always have been. Um, you know, I mean, I, in truth, Lawrence, I mean, I'm, I'm covering a lot of these tournaments, so I'm not listening. You know, I'm not watching the the, the broadcast on the you know in the air. So, um, you know, maybe I'm a little biased. You know, because of the interactions I've had with him as a reporter. Um, but I, you know, I, I think he delivers pretty good opinions on the air. Now, as Huggy said, you know, it's very possible that the, you know, the, I mean, the tour likes to, you know, what likes to soften the edges and water everything down, as you very well know. The PGA Tour, very, num- very much known for that. So, um, you know, I mean, if you go back to some of the stuff that Peter Costas was just talking about, about how he was kind of neutered a little bit by CBS, um, you know, maybe that stuff, you know, is, indeed does take place. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not in the control rooms and listening to exactly what's. Who's being told what? But uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I think I've always thought he's been good on the air from what I've heard of him. Um, you know, just getting back for a quick sec to you know what Huggy was talking about. And I, I, I this is clearly an, a, like a, an American bias too. It, it was kind of raised a little bit of the ugly American bias a little bit, you know, by him calling out the European players, you know, like like Westy, who had not won on the tour a lot, and obviously Fleetwood. You know, you bring up Mark Wilson. I mean, Mark Wilson, no offense to Mark Wilson, he's not even a fraction of the player that, that, that Tommy Fleetwood is. And Fleetwood's been here for 10 minutes, you know? I mean, you know, so that's that. all that stuff was not fair. I, I, I think it was really more a sense of, of Azinger kind of showing a little bit of an ugly American bias there and uh, and generalizing a little bit. Uh, well, uh, and and as, as Huggy said, if I just could say, I mean, obviously the, the U.S. tour is deeper you know, there's more. There's a more of a, a, a deeper talent pool in the U.S. Top players are all playing here, so of course, it's, you know. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. You know, maybe Huggy's going to scoff at that, but you know, why is no, that, why are all the players here? You know, that was the strange so, thing, Mark. That nobody is is denying that, at least in financial terms, that the PGA Tour is is superior to the European Tour. I mean, that nobody thinking that. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, it was the tone. It was the, it was just the tone of the way he said it, and 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 uh, you know, I just I, I you know honestly, I think if Azinger looks back on it, I know he's backtracked a little bit um, in recent days. I saw something on you know somebody spoke to him yesterday. I've just come out of Bay Hill myself today, this morning, just flew in, and I'll see him at some point during the week and talk to him. But um, you know, I I think he probably regrets the way he presented it. If I'm if you know if I'm being honest, uh, I, I would have to think he's he probably realizes now that the tone um, was probably a little bit condescending, more, more than a little bit. Well, I yeah, would... Lawrence, look, sorry to interject it, um, but just that if you, if you look a little bit deeper into comparing the PGA Tour and the European Tour, I mean, it's, it, okay, in money terms, obviously, there's no, you know, in depth and all the rest of it. But here's the thing. It, I read a beautifully written column by Jeff Ogilvie in the recent Golf oh, Australia oh, magazine. Bath. In which he um, he said that you like he, actually, up to, or no? he he labelled himself as a having played on the PGA Tour as long as he did you know over a over a decade he said that 
now that he's back in Melbourne and playing Royal Melbourne and Kingston Heath and places like that on a regular basis, he feels like his his game has been dumbed down by that all the time he spent on the PG Tour because he's been faced with the kind of tricky shots, the in, little in-between shots and the finesse shots, the nuanced shots that you get on a great course like Royal Melbourne, all the things that he was never having to do on the PGA Tour, and now he's struggling with those shots. that He used, he used to play them without thinking about them. Now he's struggling with them, and as he, the phrase he used was that he's been dumbed down by his time on the PGA Tour. Now that is, I think it would be wrong to say that that isn't a factor on the European Tour, but it's less of a factor. There's much more variety, much more... You know, range of questions asked of players generally speaking on the European Tour than there is on the PG Tour so if you look at the two tours and you, you use that as your criteria the European Tour is better than the PG Tour but in financial terms you know as I say there's no comparison um, and listen, let's, I mean I'm sorry to I mean just look at what's taken place in the Ryder Cup you know over the last two and yeah. a half decades I mean that that alone you know, speaks to, you know, the, 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 the top end talent on the European tour. You know, I think probably it's just deeper here um, in, on the U.S. tour. But in terms of the top end quality, I mean, you know, why, why has the U.S. been dominated so, so frequently by the, by the Europeans on, on, in Ryder Cup play? I mean, it, it, it well, speaks, if, to, it if, speaks if, to the quality. If you follow Jeff Ogilvie's theory, I mean, as soon as you take Paris last time, as soon as the American players were presented with something that was a little bit out of their, you know, ordinary for them, they were absolutely hopeless. I mean, they, yeah. they were destroyed in Paris. And the, my fear is, you know, in the general terms, is that the top American or top guys on the PGA Tour, they're, they're going to become, or if they haven't already, become very, very good, obviously, at a very narrow form of golf. And there's no real, you know, variety to it. And Jeff touched on that when he, you get them on a course like Royal Melbourne. Again, they struggled in the President's Cup, with the exception of Tiger. I mean, there weren't too many of the Americans, you know, they, were, they got by because they're simply better players than most of the international team. But they should have been winning by more. On paper, it should not have been a contest, but it was. And I think that plays into the, the Jeff Ogilvie theory that the PGA Tour... You know, you get guys like Brooks Kepka, who again is, you know, fantastic, but, and I've written this before, my fear is that everybody at the top end of the game is going to end up playing like Brooks Kepka. And there's going to be, that's the only way to play. I mean, you look at the top 10 now, and with the exception of Webb Simpson, who must be holding an awful lot of putts, they're all monsters off the tee and just wedging on every green. And, you know, that for me, in the bigger picture, that's far more scary than somebody. You know, announcing on television that the PGA Tour is far better than the European Tour. I mean, jeez. The um, one thing I, I sorry, go on, Mark. I was just going to say the one thing I love as a golf fan, you know, who doesn't cover a lot of your, you know, really covers very little European Tour activity other than, you know, the Open Championship and Ryder Cups. I don't see those venues like you do, Huggy. But as somebody as who's a fan of the game. I uh, what you, you what you bring up with the courses is is so spot on because it's fascinating to me every week when I turn the TV on there and you know they're in Denmark one week and they're in Germany another week you know they you know it's the, the 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 differences of the styles of the golf courses that you see wherever they may be is so fascinating to me and I, that's my favorite part of watching on the golf channel you know when I when I watch some of these early round action you know uh, 
you know, from the states here. It's just it's just the differences in the golf courses. And you're right, you know, so many of the courses here are so, I, you know, maybe cookie cutter is is probably a little bit too general generalizing, but you know, it's you know, you got to be a bomber. And some of these bombers, you know, you look at some of these golf courses, you know, and listen, some of them are browned out, not even in the greatest shape in the world, you know, that you see in some of the lesser you know, quote unquote, lesser tour events on the European tour, but it's kind of fun to watch those, those events there, you know, and see what the guys do there without yeah. the perfect eyes or every, you know, every, every place and all that kind of thing. Yeah. We all know that they're great from, you know, perfect lies and perfect fairways, but I want to see who, who's, you know, who can handle the four iron off the slightly downhill line. that's maybe in a slight wee, in a wee hole and, you know, let's see how you cope with that boys. You know, that that's far more interesting to me than, than watching them hit, Yet another, you know, long high four iron from a perfect lie. If they're even hitting four irons these days, which isn't very often. Yeah, many moons ago, uh, going this conversation. I, I, I was trying to tempt you into saying it, but uh, you didn't. You wouldn't say it, Mark. So I will. I, I just wonder if Azinger was just busking it. I, I, I think uh, I'm not sure he's uh, diligent enough yet in his work, and it's a long time on air. And I just wonder if he. Uh, was left with some dead air and just said what the first thing that came into his head. Uh, I, I don't know. He had a couple of housekeeping things on this. Martin Keimer, Huggy, I went to world number one without being a member of the PGA Tour. Uh, Heck, yeah, that's right. And the other one is, well, somebody put up the strength of fields for Fleetwood's uh, wins in Europe. Yeah. I think they were all stronger than the yeah. the uh, no. than the Honda. Here, Mark, yeah. that, to the point that you and Huggy were just addressing there, uh, I don't know how much you saw of, uh, of the Honda at the weekend, but it, I mean, it was virtually, I mean, I, I never liked that golf course. I never like, really liked that tournament, but it, it wasn't very entertaining, that's for sure. I did not watch any of it, to be honest with you. I was, I had stuff going on over the weekend. I, I kind of kept an eye on what was going on, yeah. but I have covered that golf tournament a number of times. In fact, I've only just in the last couple of years stopped covering it because the the field has taken a pretty big hit with the, you know, with the, with the changing of the PGA Tour schedule. You know, the top players just don't go there, you know, as much, you know, or, or as, <clears throat> excuse me, as many of the top players don't go there as they used to. So it becomes a little bit of a hard sell. Uh, you know, with in Florida, I'm, I'm usually doing the R. Palmer here where I am this week and, and, uh, and, and Players' Championship next week. So, but... I'm not a huge fan of the golf course either. That that actually that cor- that golf course really kind of it, it fits exactly into what we were just talking about. You know, you have to be a bomber generally to you know to succeed there. Um, you know, it's it's you know, listen, I'm not a gigantic Florida golf course fan anyway. Um, in, in general, uh, and that course to me is, in fact, interestingly enough, there's a couple of golf courses on that property. One of which is an Arnold Palmer design, which might sound like sacrilege, but it's a much more fun and interesting golf course than the P, than you know than the PGA National you know Championship course, in my opinion, because I've played all of them. And uh, so, yeah, I, it doesn't surprise me that it wasn't exciting golf. The one thing I will say though, now 18 is kind of an interesting hole. Obviously, if you remember Rory a couple of years ago making that great run, you know, with with you know getting on into, you know. This, you know, this past one, obviously Fleetwood, you know, I mean, that was a pretty good risk reward situation. There, yeah, obviously, that was des- that was desperation mode. But listen, that's one hole, you know. Um, the rest of it, it just has a sameness to me, you know. Uh, they've done a little bit of a fun job there, whether you like it or not. You guys probably don't like it because you're Marie or curmudgeons, but you know, <laughs> 17, 17 over there, you know, with with what they've done with the fans, you know, they've tried to replicate sixteen. At TPC, uh, you know, uh, Fien- you know, uh, Arizona, 
Scottsdale, I should say, with the stadium type atmosphere. It's fun. It's a, you know, it's a fun hole over water and, you know, everybody's hanging out and drinking and, you know, partying. And if you like that kind of thing, I do, you guys don't, I get it. But, um, but anyway, in general, I agree with you, Lawrence. I, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of the golf course. I don't think it's that interesting. Uh, water on golf courses, Huggy. I mean, generally. Yeah, I know. It's just an admission that it's not very good usually, because um, the the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no way back from water. That it, it completely eliminates the most interesting part of you know professional golf at the top level, and that's the the possibility of the exciting recovery shot. The, there is no recovery from water, unfortunately. Um, Sun GM, though, Huggy, he, he's a player, isn't he? Oh, oh my goodness. I mean, I, first time I really studied him up close was at the President's Cup, uh, the aforementioned one at Royal Melbourne there. And, man, he was terrific. I mean, he, this guy's a ball-striking machine. He just never has, seems to hit a bad shot. And I'm not surprised that he won um, as early as, as, as this. I mean, everybody was talking about him in Melbourne he was really the he's probably the star of the international team that week. Um, <clears throat> I would love to have seen him playing Tiger. Actually, that would have been even more interesting than the the answer match that Tiger was involved in. That would that would have been something to see. But but this kid's going to win an awful lot of tournaments. I'm I'm just wondering actually off the top of my head um, where he stands with his military service with Korea because. Uh, I'm sure was he 21. He's probably still got that to do, has he? I mean, I don't think he's done it already. Well, and I, well, I think if he, he doesn't does. a gold medal or a major, he's going to be two years off the tour sometime soon. Uh, well, Mark, you're an expert in uh, Korean military affairs, uh, Sun GM. <laughs> you mean as the, as the token American? Yes, I would be the expert on that, I suppose. You know, just to jump in for, and I'm just stealing a stat really off of Justin Ray from Twitter, who's like a, a, a statistic machine. Yeah. But. But Sanjay M, 724 birdies and eagles in the last two PGA Tour seasons. It's 144 more than any other player. Now, he's played 23 more rounds more than anybody else in that span. But even so, those numbers are just phenomenal. Um, and and it, you would have to think that's going to lead to more wins, you know, now that he's kind of broken through. The... Um... Uh, I, was, I was listening last night uh, on Golf Central. They were saying that he doesn't have a, an established home. He just goes week to week with his suitcase. Uh, he, yeah. It's just amazing. He, we spoke to him at uh, in Genesis, Lawrence, actually, about that. He was very interesting. He just says he's much more comfortable in a hotel room, you know, and uh, he, he, you know, he just goes, you know, generally in most of the cities that he goes to, there's, there's, a, there's a Korean population and there's some good Korean restaurants. And, uh, you know, he just goes from place to place to place, and he's comfortable that way. That's just the way he, he does it. He actually also, if I'm not mistaken, just... Uh, hired uh, a Korean caddy just for the first time last week. I think he had Pepsi in the bag prior to that, uh, who used to caddy for uh, for Keegan Bradley back in, in Bradley's best times. Um, but from what I understand, he wanted he wanted a fellow Korean on the bag. And I, if I'm not, I might be wrong on this, but I think last week was was the first week that he it had. Was, it was. Uh, amazing. Your first week on the bag and you're, well, 10% of whatever it is, 1.3 million. Wow. That's yeah. uh, Nice work if you can get it. Uh, how, is he a tough sell for you, Mark? Sun GM, I guess he would. It would be just a tough sell for I, anybody who's not Korean. I hate, I hate to say it, but it, you know, it, listen. You know what though? I'm the I'm the extreme, Lawrence and 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 Huggy, because you know my editors in New York. If it's not Tiger or Phil or Rory or Kepka, you know they're they're rolling their eyes and, and yawning, and it's 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 a it's a difficult 
your thing, you know, because there's so many good stories out here. And I, I you know, I, I'm not blowing sunshine up my butt by any means, but I, you know, I do try to tell as Huggy does such a great job of too. And, you know, you, you try to tell the cool stories, you know, and, and this guy is a very cool story and I will write him, but you know, you, you, you just, you know, that you're not going to get a bunch of clicks on the, on the website, you know, ver, you know, versus if you've, you know, written about Rory or, or, or tiger or, or, or Phil or something like that. So yes, in answer to your question, I hate to say it, but I'm just being honest. It's a tough sell. There's no question. The, uh, is the kind of story you'll maybe get one and done. You you, know, you might win six times a year, but you'll only get one story really. Um, it's a yeah, it's a bit, bit of a shame, but I mean, I guess that's. I'm I'm sure he gets all the press in in Korea, and there'll be nothing about Tommy Fleetwood and Paul Azinger in the Korean Daily Times or whatever it is. He will crack. <laughs> will crack on. Uh, the uh, a couple of things actually. Uh, Dustin Johnson not doing the Olympics, Mark. Uh, I'm not going to ask if that's a surprise. Do you think that's a portend of things to come? I think it might be. I don't know, especially now with this. You know, oh with yeah. This, this, you know, this, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty lazy affair about stuff. I'm finding myself like I just flew down here this morning, and I'm like, I didn't want to touch anything on the plane. You know, you're just you're uber, you know, sensitive about thinking about those kind of things, and. You know, I yeah. I mean, whether that's I, mean, I don't believe that he I don't believe he cited that as an issue as an issue. He is uh, through his agent. Uh, you know, uh, he was talking about how he wanted to be prepped for the FedEx Cup, which I kind of oh, had a on. bit of a chuckle. <laughs> you know, I think his, his agent literally said something like, you know, well, Dustin really wants to win one of those before it's you know before his time is up. You know, as if he's he's trying to get you know lift a claret jug for the first time or something like that so i'm i'm equally as cynical as you guys are about this whole money grab you know FedEx cup situation as if that's some prestigious event yeah. uh, but yeah, i don't really you know maybe i don't you know you know scheduling is 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 an issue for these guys everything's compacted you know with the majors bang 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 you know four four months in a row um you know who knows what goes on in dustin's head but um you know, I don't. I don't know that it's going to be as, as rampant as it was. Uh, you know, four years ago. You know, when when the when the mosquito issue was going on there, and um, you know, when when a lot of guys just didn't want to deal with that. But uh, uh, you know, depending on where this you know this coronavirus situation goes, I mean, you may see a lot of guys. And listen, there, there may be no Olympics the way you know the way people are talking right hey, now. Did you see that poll? And this is real, Mark. Uh, the poll that thirty-eight percent of Americans said they won't be drinking Corona beer. Because he thought it was, t- it's true. It was, a, it was absolutely a, I, idiotic. I did mean, you, just did you see that? I mean, it's just so. I just, it's ridiculous. So I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, just for the right, so thirty-eight percent of Americans won't drink Corona beer because they think it's somehow related to Corona. But I'm sure if you went to any country, and you'd probably get the same result. But anyway, I thought well, that. If can I jump in for a second? Yeah. I, I don't drink Corona beer because I think it's a bad beer. I'm not, a, I'm not a Corona drinker, so myself. So you know. Uh, here, uh, Mark, you're at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Uh, what's the scene like? I mean, I know you're just basically. It's about, I mean, it, does it still feel like a? They were on the Golf Channel last night, pushing this idea that's still a very hugely important event. Blah blah blah. And uh, well, they do that in the Golf Channel every week, I guess, uh, for every single event. But uh, what do you think? Because I noticed for the schedule for next year, it's been given uh, the Honda Classic uh, slot, which is. Yes, yeah, it's seen as the worst slot on the Florida swing. I, uh, I mean, how long has he been dead? Three or four years, uh, and already they're beginning to let him drift away. I mean, I, I get that sense. I, I don't know. What do you think? 
Well, I mean, I, first of all, how big of a tournament is, I'm going to need to consult with Zinger to see, you know, how all big right. this full American <laughs> schedule, if you will. But, um, you know, I mean, listen, it's still a very good field. I think, I do find it weird that they're messing with this tournament on the, on the tour schedule. I mean, frankly, it's been unfair to Honda, if you want to use fair or unfair, you know, since they moved the, you know, the PGA to, to May and, 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 and condensed the schedule so much. Honda's been getting crushed with, in terms of the field. Uh, so is that fair? No, but I, I hate to see a tournament like this with Arnold's name on it shifted around. Uh, you know, they don't shift, you know, they haven't shifted the memorial around on Jack Nicholas, have they? Uh, no, uh, not yet. So, not yet, exactly. So, yeah, I don't, if that, you know, I don't know what the answer is because, you, you know, you, you obviously do have to, you know, figure out a place to shoehorn all these things in, but, uh, I don't like the fact that they mess with the schedule with this golf tournament. Uh, but yes, in answer to your question, even though I've been here for about the length of this uh, this podcast, um, they still have a good field here. And uh, I mean, obviously, Tiger, you know, would have and should have been here. You know, had, had his back not stiffened up. Um, so you know, it still it still seems like a proper good PGA Tour event, in my opinion. And I actually like the golf course here. Uh, who's there? Rory's there this week, isn't he? That'll be a I mean, that'll be a deal, won't yes. it? Rory's here, Kepka's here, you know, so you got some good, you know, Molinari was just in earlier this morning. He's defending his title, obviously. Um, so, yeah, it should, you know, listen, and listen there's some good storylines here. I mean, what, you know, Kepka's, you know, frankly, since he had that little, yeah. that little knee procedure, his results have not been very good. Uh, and he insisted he hit the ball pretty well uh, last week and, and missing the cut by a mile and a half. So, be interesting to see what kind of answer he has this week because, you know, he's a, pre, you know, he's a pretty, proud and, and strong-willed guy. So it'd be interesting to see what, what happens with him this week. And, you know, if it all works out well, we got him and Rory, you know, button heads over the weekend. Uh, the uh, two missed cuts, uh, uh, two, I think, Huggy. Uh, do you think Kepler's got longevity, or do you think... Mm, because there's... Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, if his knees, you know, if this is a long-term thing, I mean, he's not going to be able to play at the level he was at if his knee's an issue. Um Remains to be seen. We we don't know what what's going on there, but I mean, assuming that he that he's going to be all right. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is just a you know a blip or a lull. You know, these guys you can't play well every week, especially no. especially on the PGA Tour where the depth is so great. You know, you've got to you've really got to play well to get even get in contention on that tour. The um, what about that course, Huggy? Was that, was that a dig? Was that a dig, Huggy? Oh. No, no, I mean, we, no. I'm did, just, I'm just was anything you. was anything I said there incorrect? No, no, no. I'm just tweaking you. Oh, I, I thought it was a little zinger, zinger, zinger there, but uh. <laughs> just a little. Here, uh, Huggy, that that course is. It, would you put that in the same? I, I guess it is. It was virtually well. Of course, it's distinguishable from last week's course, but it is cut from the same cloth, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's pretty tedious stuff, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, the uh, is it a well attended tournament, Mark? That one, the AP. Say that one more time, Lawrence. Is it a well attended tournament? Is it like is there a big scene? I mean, I know the the yes. I know the Palm Beach tournament's a huge big scene, but is uh, is the Arnold Palmer one? I, I guess Orlando's a bit more suburban, quieter. It's it's still they still got a decent crowd here. It's not it's you know you don't have kind of the rabid nature of uh, of Honda with the seventeenth hole and all that kind of thing, but. Uh, it's still pretty well attended. I mean, it's it's, it's certainly more well attended than the Tampa event, which will be coming up next during a couple of weeks. But uh, although that tournament, when Tiger turned up to, for a little for his little warm up uh, a couple of years ago, was like a nothing I've ever seen. But 
but yeah, no, I think this is still they get, they still get some pretty good crowds here. The um, yeah, no Tiger this week. That's two years in a row there. Do you think he's easing out of the the Arnold Palmer a bit like the PGA Tour, maybe stepping back from the? the I mean, who knows? Because he doesn't live in Orlando anymore, does he? No, but I don't know about that. I mean, I. I I first of all, I'm, I have a policy of never, and personally, I never ever question anybody's injury. So, and obviously, listen. I mean, I, he looked like he was moving around pretty gingerly when I was out in L.A. a couple of weeks ago for the Genesis. Did he? You know, walking up, walking up and downstairs to the clubhouse and whatnot. I mean, he really looked like he was not a guy that you know was was looking very spry to me. So, it, it does surprise me that you know he had a good week and a half, two weeks after that to rest, and he was the fact that he's still stiff now is a little little surprising and maybe alarming, but obviously that's kind of his new normal. But I don't know that I would say he's, he's phasing this tournament out. I don't, you know, I, I, I can't really say that for sure. The, um, well, the, the pitch- Tiger, Lawrence, we, we've been in this position a few times before, but the signs are not good, you know, physically for him. I mean, that start to occur to me that last year's Masters might just have been the last hurrah, and, and we should have enjoyed it more, even more than we did. But, well, I will uh, say this. As I'll I say, say we've been here before. We've been here before with him, so who knows? Yeah, well, we've been here before with him, and it's it's very you know it's 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 not usually good business to count him out. But but what you said about last year's Masters, I feel like the I feel like his reaction to winning it last year, to some degree, you know, I'm not saying in his mind he thought that was the last hurrah, but you know, I think that that has to have passed through his mind. Like, you know, this, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe I got one more with my kids, you know, watching and, you know, I mean, there was, there was a lot of layers to that emotion that you saw on 18, uh, out of him. And, and, and I think, you know, at least a shred of that had to be what you just mentioned. I mean, you know, I mean, let's be honest, he, he didn't perform very well at all after Augusta last year. I mean, he didn't, you know, he didn't, didn't contend, you know, until, until he got you know to Japan and which is kind of, you know, quote unquote off season event or whatever. But, uh, you know, the rest of his PGA Tour schedule was pretty weak until he got to uh, his President's Cup. Well, that jo- yeah. is it Jojo or whatever it was called, ZZ or whatever. Uh, Zozo. Uh, that, was a, that was a pretty strong field. And Huggy, I mean, he looked phenomenal that week. I mean, better, miles better than everybody else. And then the same at Royal Melbourne. And it, here we are, two or three months later, and I think we're kind of right to victories. Well, not quite, but, but you know what I mean. It's, yeah. It's, um, yeah, well, I hope not. I mean, at Royal Melbourne, I mean, oh man, it was, a, we've talked about this before, but God, it was fantastic to watch him. He he showed them, everybody on both sides, how to play that golf course. The, the only, again, we covered it, but the, the only downside was that they were hitting wedges basically to every green. But had they, had they been hitting proper irons and, you know, from decent distances, the difference between Tiger and the rest would have been exaggerated even more. But as I say, it was it was an education to watch him play that golf course. It really was fantastic. Um, anyway, we'll be interested to see if he pitches up next week, Mark. You think he will, players? I think he will. Yeah, I mean, I, geez, I mean, he's got to play at some at some point. You know, I asked him. I asked him directly at Genesis when he when he just when he was opting not to play Mexico, which was a mild surprise in in itself. And he just you know, and he clearly made it. You know, he made it clear that you know it was all about prepping for Augusta. So, you know, I would say that if he doesn't play players next week, that's not very good prep for Augusta if he hasn't played in a month. Uh, and then we'll go play the match play as his only event before he plays Masters. So, I, you know, if he doesn't play next week and, 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 and cites his back as an issue, then, then I think there's some red flags that should be raised. Again, I don't know if I read it or heard it somewhere. Somebody was saying that maybe he's a kind of 10 tournament a year 
not quite a ceremonial uh, golfer, but you know, 10, 12 tournaments a year, all very uh, carefully chosen. I think I can't believe he played in. Uh, I mean, I know his his connections to Tory Pines are obviously uh, he's got great memories there, but I can't believe he played that tournament, Mark. I mean, that is so long and you know, quotes and quotes cold, relatively so. Uh, for a guy with a bad back, that seemed like a daft idea. Uh, did he even? Yeah, he, he made he made the cut, didn't he? But not, you know, he didn't do yeah, that well. Yeah, he, yeah, he didn't. Uh, but he, you know, he looked physically okay that week to me. You know, and it wasn't wasn't as chilly as it has been. I, I covered the tournament. I usually do cover that. You know, Tiger is very much a creature of habit. You know, and with his schedule, and and that's just kind of always been the unofficial start to his you know yeah, his his year, so to speak. You know, so. Um, you know, then you then you kind of wonder if he doesn't play there. You know, is he going to wait to Genesis to play that and make that his first one, or does he do something prior to to you know Tory? You know, he's not a guy that goes out and plays Palm Springs. So he's you know, I mean, this tournament here this week, that tournament, uh, you know, at at Tory Pines, there's a handful of them that are just kind of like you know, have just been a fabric of his schedule for a number of years. So. Maybe it's just kind of a habitual thing because he certainly hasn't had much much of any success at Tory. We all talk about the eight wins and the and the, and the his wins as an amateur before that and whatnot, but it's been a long time since he's really had great success there at, on that golf course. You know, since Reese Jones kind of tore up that South Course and made it you know everything that Huggy Huggy hates. Oh, you know, well, just kind of gouge. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's horrible um, here. Um, uh, yeah, so well, I'll be it'll be interesting to see here. There's what just one other thing I wanted to cover before we we wrapped it up. The uh, the the PGA Tour has announced some partnership with some gambling company. Um, Mark, is this a is this the way? I've never kind of got the golf and gambling thing. I mean, what's that all about? Is that is that the way they see the the kind of future, the the commercial future? I, listen, it's happening. It's happening in every sport, Lawrence. I mean, you, you know, you can see, you know, I have friends that gamble, you know, in, 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 in American football games and they're gambling on, you know, from, from quarter to quarter and series to series, you know, really? and, and, and golf and golf is even, it, it's, it's, and Huggy, well, you buzz, you guys both should know that obviously because gambling has been such a fabric of the open championship and, and a lot of the European tour events with the Ladbrokes over there and whatnot, you know, we're just getting that over here legalized, you know, Golf is like the is like the ultimate gambling sport. You can gamble on a on a on a match, you know, a threesome or a two ball, or you know, you know, you, it doesn't have to be who's going to have the low round of the day or who's going to win the tournament that week. You can gamble on who's going to have you know the most birdies in a you know on a nine hole stretch, you know, on a on a Thursday opening round. So to me, you know, golf and gambling, if you if you happen to like gambling, uh, is is perfect. I mean, there's you know there's you get you know. If you happen to not just be a golf purist like maybe we, the three of us are, you know, you want to you want to keep your interest a little bit, you know, that's a pretty good way to do it. So it doesn't surprise me. All these all these tours and and sports are all partnering up with the gambling companies now. You yeah. Know, uh, do you not think it's a kind of dangerous road to go down? I mean, just uh, on Sunday night there, we saw. I mean, Tommy Fleetwood claimed he didn't hear the guy screaming at the top of his backswing, but there was yeah, definitely. Yeah. A, a loud yell um, is that's that's to me is the is the danger is that you're going to get people in the crowd trying to influence the result because they've got a bet on. Um, I think it's a dangerous road to go down. I really do. It's dangerous on a lot of levels, Huggy. I mean, listen. I mean, it, 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 
you could you could make the argument that it's, it's dangerous. You know, the players could tank something. You know, God nah. forbid. You know, I mean, hey, well, you know, it, just, it happens in tennis, doesn't it? Yeah. Listen, I mean, you know, what's happening, which which would probably save that to some degree, is the money is so great now. It's you know, in, yeah. in all sports, it's hard. You know, it's not like it used to be. Where, where you know the you know the gamblers could you know or you know the bookies or whatever could get to the athletes so to speak it's not that easy but you know listen you know it could I mean it could be a lesser named guy on a tour who's not making you know half a million dollars that week you know and somebody might offer him a hundred grand to you know tank some whatever I mean I'm just saying there's a slippery slope on all levels the one you you mentioned and and the one you know one the one inside the ropes as well in my opinion but. It's just the way of the world right now, it's, and it's not going back. I mean, the horse is out of the barn. The uh, the tennis stuff is, if you take it, spend spend an hour looking into match fixing, the tennis stuff is on these satellite tours is ho- horrific. There yeah. Are, yeah. Uh, but again, as you said, Mark, the money, the money in golf, you would imagine, well, there's not going to be much of a gambling market on a challenge tour event or a corn ferry tour event, you would have to think. Um, so that might put the kibosh on it, but again, there there is a, certainly in the far east, there's huge markets on the most extraordinary things. Hugging, there are markets uh, on Scottish reserve football. I remember seeing a, a, there's a match fixing scandal with Scottish reserve football uh, based out of uh, based out of China. Uh, so you, you just kind of never know. The, uh, the uh, well, it's certainly. Uh, during the tennis, I mean, uh, I, through Mike, our friend Mike Clayton, I've, I've got to know uh, Paul McNamee, former Wimbledon doubles champion. Uh, he lives in Melbourne again, and he he tells me that it's a huge issue in tennis because it's, it's he bangs on about this quite a lot. That it's only really the top one hundred in tennis that are making any money, and that once you go past that, they're they're really struggling to make even a living. So they're open to these kids are open to. You know, somebody slipping them, as you say, a hundred grand or fifty grand or whatever to to do, you know, serve a double fault at at the right moment or whatever, and it, it's been happening, sadly. Yeah, um, t- I mean, tennis tennis is very top heavy, obviously. You know, in terms of the you know yeah. the money. The other thing, the, the other the, thing with the, golf, the other thing of golf, what I would say is, you know, every, it's all about positioning in golf in terms of your world ranking, your FedEx Cup points, whatever it may be. You know, your money, your your, your where you are on the money list. You know, you start tanking stuff. You know, you're you're screwing with your the bigger picture of your of your you know of your season, so to speak. So, I think that's an element that would you know that you know would would probably deter you know anybody from from you know from tanking. The yeah. um, there's also the uh, yeah. How does it work in the NFL, Mark? I, I guess the NFL have looked at the whole fantasy and DraftKings and all this stuff. They've seen that as a way of grow, growing their audience, where people no longer watch. The football or the NFL for the NFL in in and of itself, they're watching to see how their player does in the fantasy draft or whatever. So I'm guessing golf wants a piece of that action. I'm sure they do. I mean, yeah, there's no question about it. And that's, I mean, the NFL. I mean, you know, the the, the days of, you know, I know you, for example, of Lawrence are a massive Celtic fan, right? Yep. You know, in you know, for us, you know, here, you know, whether it's you know Jets and Giants, you know, in New York for us, or San Francisco, you know, San Francisco 49ers, whatever it is. The days of that rabid fan that lives and dies with the team, following that team, are I don't want to say they're dead, but in if you compare them to the days that we're living now, where all people care about is what their fantasy team does, and you know, and they and the guy they gambled on to rush for more than seventy-five yards in the game or whatever it may be, or pass for more than two hundred yards, 
that's completely what the game's become. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'd, I'd be. I'd be guessing on a percentage, but you're probably looking at seventy-five, twenty-five. You know, the gambling interest versus versus rabid, you know, organic fan interest, so to speak, in these games on Sundays. Um, yeah, that's a that's a quite a frightening prospect for uh, for golf. The other thing, Huggy, just finally, you look at the way uh, football has gone back home uh, in the UK. Uh, the influence of the gambling companies, certainly in sponsorships for all, of all the various football clubs, but you cannot yeah. watch, you cannot watch a football game without being bombarded with adverts, in-game betting adverts, and the gambling culture is it's a, it can become a serious problem, can't it? You know, and he, the, this, you know all these bets on you know the first throw in the first corner. I mean, they, they, I think it they caught somebody, didn't they? When the, oh, the guy. Yeah. Be- Picked it straight out for a for a throw in from the from the kickoff to because you know that was a two seconds or something for the first throw in and somebody was making thousands on that you know the, that's the danger all that kind of stuff. Well, uh, but there's also the danger of just yeah. the, the the you know gambling addiction. I mean, it's a it's a serious yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a serious. I mean, again, that's we can't leave that entirely at the door of uh, football back home or, but you know here we have golf. Uh, again, certainly not. It's not going to help. That uh, that I mean, it's a it's an increasing problem, uh, gambling addiction, and he, and here we are. Golf is uh, willing to to throw itself in with the the gambling lobby uh, for the sake of, I mean, isn't there enough money on the PGA Tour, Mark? I mean, when is when is uh, when is the when are they going to understand that they've got enough money? <laughs> there is enough money around the PGA Tour. Will it never stop this pursuit? I don't think. I mean, listen, I don't. I don't see it ever stopping. I mean, you know, you you see, you know, these multi-millionaire athletes are, you know, cha- I, mean, I mean, listen. I mean, we we were we. I think on a podcast earlier, we were criticizing some of the players like Phil Mickelson and some of the guys going over to Saudi Arabia. Why do they go over there? Because they're getting appearance fee money. Now, how much money does Phil Mickelson really need, right? Or any of these guys, you know, for the, of these top end guys? But they they keep, you know, I mean, they go for the grab. You know, I mean, I mean, I, 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 you know, we can't really fathom that because we don't make that kind of scratch. You know what I'm saying? Well, Lawrence, maybe you do with McKellar now, you know, running the whole thing. Uh, you know, with with our one out of four listeners uh, uh, subscribing. Um, but you know, I, I don't, I don't answer the question. I don't, I don't think, I don't think enough's ever going to be enough as long as we live. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Will we have? Uh... Huggy, you think Rory will be cutting around in a Bet365 t-shirt before too long? <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I naively, and I bet this is very naive, a few years ago it occurred to me that they were these guys at the top were making so much money that I thought that some of them might just go somewhere and play somewhere in the world that needs a wee boost for nothing, and that the top ten in the world would get together and write, okay, you go there, you go there, and they would go somewhere different every year, one week a year, they would allocate, you know, just to give back to the game. They would go somewhere and and not expect to get paid anything. They just pitch up and play. I mean, the example I always use is the Rory playing in the South African Open about yeah. two or three years ago, and the place was moving with people just because he was there. And it's always disappointing to me that that uh, the the very top guys who are making, you know, goodness knows what they're making. I mean, it's ridiculous how much money they've got. Why not once one week a year just do that? It's I don't know why they don't because it would be great PR if nothing else, and they could really make a difference in places where 
a difference needs to be made. The uh, did you imagine Tiger bowling up to the Made in Denmark or something like that? You know, I mean, it's already it's already whatever. a great tournament, but yeah, whatever, yeah, just something, just go somewhere and go somewhere different every year and, and talk to the other guys and you know, Alec, you're just somewhere every month or somebody big going somewhere. I mean, it would be such a nice thing to do, but you know, it obviously too much influence from agents, I suspect. But uh, you know, it'd be nice if they could if they could do that just one year. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Here, uh, speaking of uh, when is enough money or when is too much money enough or whatever, uh, I noticed, Mark, that uh, Justin Rose, uh, who I think it was last the start of last season, had switched clubs to Hon- Honma. I noticed Honma, last yeah. Honma uh, for no doubt for lots and lots of money. I noticed he switched out the Honma driver for his old tailor for a tailor made last week quite quietly. I think somebody caught him and uh, not caught him, but you know somebody spotted it. Uh, yeah, so you know, some of the, the kind of pursuit of money is, I mean, because well, he's changed clubs, and I think, I mean, he's not his career isn't quite in the tank, but he's uh, certainly not been playing well. I think he won quite quickly off the bat with the new clubs, but since then, nothing. The other one is Ricky Fowler, and uh, you know, he didn't single anybody out, but I mean, the, the only things I read about Ricky Fowler lately are what he's going to be wearing when he's playing in tournaments. I mean, I think he's down in the mid twenties now in the world rankings, and, and not looking like he's going to go up anytime soon. You know, it's funny. We were talking about Ricky Fowler as a guy. It's time for him to win a major. It's time for him to win a golf tournament and 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 uh, contend again. I mean, you know, he was on the cusp of winning a major a few years ago. We had that the top fives in all four of them that one year. I want to say four, maybe fourteen or something. But uh, you know, now, as Huggy said, and and that's actually one of that's a story I'm actually working on this week is just. You know, all the time spent. I, I read somewhere that he spends a month of the year just doing commercial shoots. That's one mm. one twelfth of his year is just doing commercial shoots. But at what at what point are you not a viable commercial subject if you are not performing in your yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's definitely a line that in the middle somewhere where you're you're either a golfer or you're just a you know promotional vehicle. I have to say, though, what a pro- promotion. Speaking of guys who, if they went somewhere huggy just for yes. one week, well, he would be Absolutely. a guy. Oh, my. Could you imagine? Uh, he could do that. He would make a difference, no question. Uh, if he went down to Australia, if he, I tell you what, he'd do well because he's a great shot maker. I love the way he plays yeah, golf. Exactly. Exactly. Um, anyway, we'll leave it on that. Mark, uh, what, what's on your agenda today at the Arnold Palmer Invitational? Well, other than promoting the Keller magazine and my book, Seven Days in Augusta, which we've spoken about on, on the uh, – uh, other, other than that promotional stuff, um, I'm going to just be uh, roaming around looking for some good stories. Uh, like I said, I probably want to go catch up with Ricky, uh, Kepka, Rory. Um, so there's a couple of cool stories floating around here this week. So I'm, I'm just getting my feet on the ground. You know, kind of literally as as I jumped onto the podcast with you guys, but uh, you know, and I'm always hoping for a good tournament. You know, that's going to be exciting on the weekend. The uh, Seven Days in Augusta is out when, Mark? It comes out on the on on March 10th, so uh, next week, I guess it might be a week from today, right? It's day the third. Uh, yeah, yep. Uh, yep. So, and so yeah. that that's available on Amazon, Amazon.com. Right, yeah, it's actually it's available on Amazon, even on pre-order right now. But yes, it, it, on Amazon and uh, and bookstores as well, and. Uh, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it was a fun project and I hope it came out well. And, um, and I hope more than one, one out of the four of our listeners, you know, buy it. <laughs> the, yeah, uh, 
I have to say, not blowing smoke, uh, but the I've seen some great um, uh, testimonies. Are these all your friends on Twitter? But regardless, people seem people who've read it seem to really love it. Uh, so, Seven Days in Augusta, Mark Canazaro available at all good bookshops, and uh, if you're really pushed on Amazon.com. Uh, Mark, uh, good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on, pal. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you, Mark. It's a